Now, in the scriptures, uh, Paul, in speaking to Timothy in chapter 5, said that we should lay hands suddenly on no man. You know the scripture teaches that, don't you? And there's also a saying that if you don't live dangerously, you really won't enjoy life. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about not laying your hands suddenly on a woman. But I'm going to do something now that's very dangerous. So pray for me, because I know I might be killed. But there's something happening next weekend that needs to be uh, reminded of. And the best person to talk about that is the person who's behind it. And she's a gracious, loving, compassionate, caring faithful person, so I know she's not going to beat me up. Jan Sawyer. Would you tell us what's happening? Is this working? Yeah. Can you tell us what's happening next weekend? Well, first of all, I just want to let you know he's just trying to make up because he forgot to do it last week. No. (laughs) When it was Appreciation Day for CCC. So, anyway, no, coming Friday, we will be having a steak dinner and there are some chicken dinners left, too. It's the only one that we've had so far this year, so we want it to be a real success. There's going to be an auction after the dinner. The prizes will be given at the door as well. And for the auction, it should be really interesting because we have some lovely stuff that's been donated. Um, round-trip tickets to Abaco by Bahamas Air. Abaco. We oh, have a... Um, we have a house for you, rent-free for a week in Abaco. Um, we have a dinner that will be cooked for six people and delivered to your house by Cacique International, my sons. And we have jewelry that's been donated, and it's really, really going to be a fun night. So we, if you don't have tickets, please try and secure them. Thank you very much, and thank you. How much is the ticket, Sam? Tickets are 15 for all of that? Well, not just one part of it, I guess, for food. All right. Please, uh, it's for a Christian Counseling Center, and we really would appreciate your participating in this special event. All right, so how many of you have tickets? Oh, no. How many of you do not have tickets? Aren't you ashamed? Anybody will be out there today? Sister Weish has some tickets church office and CC. Please get your tickets as soon as possible. Thank you very much. I will survive, I think. Now, today, I'm still deliberating as to what message. I know I have a message outlined, but it suddenly dawned on me last night. I was fighting the flu, believe it or not, all day. And uh, so as I was thinking about the message, I just realized that at least a hundred ladies would be absent from our congregation today. So I thought I'd see a lot of men. You know, you take your ladies away, the men should be here, right? Well, I still see a good mixture today. But anyway, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should speak to the men. Because, you know, I thought about it. I haven't spoken directly to men from the scriptures for some time. I spoke to the young people not too long ago. And uh, even though... Um, we had a message all worked out and everything else and prayed over and all of that. 
last night and even right now, I was thinking, you know, should I speak to the man or let the scriptures speak to the man or not? And so I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to ask you to decide for me. Should I speak to the man today? All the ladies says yes. By the way, be praying for the ladies. Uh, I, they are having a wonderful time, I understand, although the weather hasn't been that well down there, but uh, they are having a, a, having a great time. So we, we thank the Lord for that. Uh, but I do, because, you know, yesterday in our men's meeting, 6.30, we have a Bible study. We were talking about these very things, about uh, men involvement in the church. And, you know, there's research done, now, of course, it's mostly in the States, of course, but there's an average. I said in most churches, 75% of the members, if something goes high as 80, are women. And they said 80 to 85% of the ministry is done by women, although the majority of leaders are men. Put that all together. You, you get a sort of a challenge, don't you? But without our ladies, there really would be, uh, we would have a very limited ministry. Amen? Although we don't see them up here preaching, we do see them singing, of course. That's a form of preaching, but you know what I'm saying about that. Uh, but we're thankful for our ladies. But amen. Uh, you know, let me give you an illustration. Uh, uh, Errol came up and made an announcement about the uh, men's conference coming up, retreat. And he said, what does he want to do? Double it? You ever heard about wishful thinking? I think up to the day they might have four men who registered. Yesterday it was three. Saturday morning. And we start to wonder what's happening to our men. Now, some of the research I've done from other places say that a lot of men do certain ministries, but they only do the things that affect them, that they are involved in. But if there's anything else, they don't participate, don't have the ego. In other words, they only do it because it's affecting them personally. In other words, it's a selfish thing. And they have the idea that they only want to go if they get something out of it. That's also selfish. Because the scripture talks about when we meet together, we should provoke or encourage one another to good works. And our gifts are to be ministered to other people. Isn't that right? But they say for the male, for some reason, they have the idea, only if I get something out of it, I'm going. They don't have, ever think about the idea that I might have the privilege and opportunity of giving something else to somebody. Isn't that amazing? And so, man, you know, we have to uh, rethink our involvement in the ministry of the church. So I think I will do that. Do you know that there is one Epistle that's only written to men and about men in the Bible. Do you know that? There's one epistle that's written by a man to a man and it's about men, no women. Did you know that? Yeah, see, you're going to learn something today. Take your Bibles, please. There might be two portions depending on the time here. Well, we don't have to pick up our wives until 1.30, so we have a long time. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to First 
into 3 John. The Apostle John wrote three epistles. The first one he wrote to Christians in general, to the church. The second one he wrote to the chosen lady and her children. Now, we don't know who that lady is. Some people say it's the church. We don't know, but it's a chosen lady. But the third epistle was written to a Christian gentleman. And his name was Gaius. Epistle of John, 3 John. Now, in this epistle, the apostle writes about three men. And that's why I call this epistle the epistle to and about man and their faith. Men and their faith. Written by a man to a man about man. And so now, just going to look at it. Whatever the text says, that's what we're going to talk to you about because that's what God wants to reveal to us. Now, in Scripture, there are three gaieses. Notice how it begins. To the elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Now, three men are mentioned in this passage, in this, in this 14-verse epistle. Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. Now, when you study Scripture, you'll find that there are at least three gazes that are mentioned. I want you to take your Bible. There's one in Acts chapter 19. Turn to that for a moment, please. Acts chapter 19, we have one of the gazes here. Verse 29. Paul says, The city was filled. This is in Ephesus now. The city was filled with the confusion this is when uh, Paul started to preach about the idols there and fighting against Artemis and so on. The city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. So here we have in this passage Gaius of Macedonia, a traveling partner of the apostle, willing to suffer for Christ. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, we have another one. Paul says in verse 3, there he spent three months, and when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sobata of Berea, the son of Paras, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians. Notice now and Gaius of Derby and Timothy. Gaius of Derby. So we have two Gaius, traveling companions of Paul. One is from Macedonia. One is from Derby. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And look at verse 14. Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Christmas and who? Gaius. Now, this is a Gaius here, and he is in Corinth. Corinth is where is the city from which Paul wrote the book of Romans. This is probably the Gaius that Paul writes to, I'm sorry, that John writes to here. Now, it is very important for us to make a note of something. Look at chapter 16. And verse 23. 
of Romans 16. Romans, Romans chapter 16, verse 23. He's signing off. He says, Gaius, host to me unto the whole church. Did you get that? Greet you. Gaius, host to me and the whole church. This is the Gaius whom John is writing about. So one of the first things we see about this man to whom this epistle was written was that he opened his home to the entire church. In our context here, we could say his home was open to the mini church. By the way, but a practical challenge to you men who have nice homes. We have many churches, and the concept there is that we go from home to home. But sometimes it's difficult for a big group, 15, 20, to go into a home of some of our members. Would you be willing, even though you are not in a mini church, but you should be, by the way, men, but would you be willing to open your home like Gaius and be a host to the whole church? That was one of the, this, that's one of the first characteristics of this man of God to whom this epistle was written. He was hospitable to the whole church. He opened his home to the church. Are you willing to do that, man? Or do you think, hey, that's too much problems, too much difficulties? That's how you could be a part of the church, just ministry here. Gaius opened his home to the church. He was willing to have a mini church in his home. But not only that, go back now to the epistle, 3 John. All we're going to do is pick up, see what God says about this man. He says, the elder, that's the apostle. That's how I'm going to start writing my letters from now on. The old man. To the beloved Gaius. He was beloved of Paul. And as we will see, the whole church. This was a man who was loved. And we'll see it's because of his commitment to Christ, because of his love for the people of God. Notice he says, whom I love in truth. He was loved by the apostle, and he was loved by the people of God. Now, man, let me speak to you. How about you? What's your reputation in the church? Are you loved? By the incredible, by members of the incredible body of Christ? Are you loved because of your generosity and your hospitality to the people of God? This man was. Are you loved by the leaders? Now, when I say loved, now, of course, we're commanded to love even our enemies. Amen? But as you go through this text, you'll see that this is a special love of God's people because of the godliness of this man. He was loved by the, Apostle Paul, by, the, by the Apostle John. But also, Paul says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Paul prayed for this man. He loved him, and that love was demonstrated in his prayer for him. And Paul is concerned for this man's total lifestyle, not just one. But he wanted him to be complete in Christ in every aspect physically spiritually and materially and Paul prayed for him 
Len, do you have people who love you so much that they're praying for you all the time? Or are you so aloof, so, con so involved in only doing what's beneficial to you that you don't have that kind of respect? Gaius challenges us here in that area according to this epistle here. But not only that, not only was he a generous man and hospitable to the people of God, not only was he loved by the Apostle John and the people of God, not only was he prayed for, but he had a good testimony and he was a model to other men. Listen to verses 3 and 4. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in truth. Isn't that an amazing testimony? All the people who came to see the Apostle John spoke about Gaius and said this was a man who was honest, upright, a man of integrity. He was walking in truth, meaning that he was obeying the word of God, the scriptures that would guided his life. Man, how about you? What kind of testimony do you have in the church, in your business place, in the community? Are you seen as a model of godliness? Or are you seen as a hypocrite? One who makes a profession but doesn't live it. You know, I came home to me, and I'm still trying to get over this. I'm sure you've heard of Brother Haggard, leader, man that I looked up to, respected for his ministry. And now he's caught in this situation. And first when I heard it, I said, I'm sure that can't be right. This guy is just out to get him. That's all. And then he comes on and he makes a confession. That I, I'm, I still can't get over it. I still can't believe it. That's a man who is, who is known by millions of people as a man of God. But there was something hidden in his life that showed that he was a hypocrite. That's an awful thing, isn't it? I'm so thankful for the grace of God because God can forgive and I believe he will ask forgiveness. He will never be restored to ministry because the trust is gone. But here's a man who had a testimony, but it was a false one. How about you, man? What secret is in your closet that if it would really would wreck your entire life? Do you have any? You better get it right, because it's possible that what happened to Brother Haggard could happen to you and to me. This man was known for walking in the truth. You see, walking in the truth. He had a good testimony. How's your testimony? How's your, the people you do business with? You got a good testimony? How about your own family, church members, the community? Where have all the men gone? You know, I was gonna, that's gonna be, when I was thinking about this last night, I said, should I have a title for this sermon? I said, yeah, I'm gonna call it, Where have all the men gone? Or Where are all the men? Because you know, the little twist, because where are all the women? They're down to the hotel having fun. 
But where are all the men when it comes to commitment to Christ? Why is it that here's something going on for the benefit of the men, and we only have three or four men signed up? There's something wrong here with the men. I don't care what you say. You have all kinds of excuses, but this is a part of the ministry of the body of Christ. I know we can't be involved in everything, but my gracious. There's a couple of things we could be involved in, at least. There could be a time when we are looking to give rather than to receive. If it's any place where that scripture applies, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's within the body of Christ when we give the gifts that we have for people who need to grow. And so Gaius was a generous man. He was hospitable. He opened his home for the church. He was loved. He was prayed for. He had a good testimony. He was a model to others. But now verses 5 through 7 focuses on his generosity. Notice what it says. Beloved, you are acting faithfully. He's a faithful man. How? In whatever you accomplish for the brethren. See that? Whatever you accomplish, not for yourself, but for the brethren. That means the church. The brethren means sister and two. Whatever you do for the people of God, the members of the incredible body of Christ, you're doing faithfully. Man, can that be said of you? Are you doing it as an evidence of your faithfulness to God as a faithful steward? You are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren and especially strangers. So he was doing it for Christians and non-Christians. This was a faithful man, faithful steward, helping the people of God First, and then helping others as well. But he was doing it within the context of the body of Christ. You see, this is another big thing that so, I, I think, prevents the body of Christ, the local church, from going on. We have so many individuals doing their own thing apart from the local church. They feel like, if I do it by myself, I ain't got a problem with all these people, so I can do it myself. That's sin. Because we're part of a body. We can't have the hand over here, the foot over here, and the toe over there doing something else. We've got to be doing it together. You see, it's a big thing. We don't realize so many times selfishness is involved in that. But not Gaius. You're acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the church, the brethren. And especially the strangers. Notice now in verse 6. And they have testified of your love before the church. Those to whom he ministered to. Have been recognized before the church. The people of God. Some people don't care if the church recognizes them or not. And by that he said, well I can do my own thing. And I don't care what anybody else says. Now we're never supposed to do it for recognition. But when we are serving the Lord, the recognition will come. Especially if we don't ask for it. It will come. And that's what's happening here. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. He cares. He supports the saints. This is speaking of those who traveled sharing the gospel. And Gaze was a man who gave his funds to keep them going. To help them. He was a generous man. He gave to missions, if you want to put it in today's terminology. And his ministry was a part of the overall 
body of Christ. Not just him out there doing it by himself for his own benefit. And so he was generous to believers and unbelievers. He supplied men. He supported men in the ministry. And he fellowshiped with those who proclaimed the gospel. Verse 7. For they went out for the sake of the name. That's Jesus Christ. Accepting nothing from the Gentiles. He cared for those who were in the ministry. Now, go to the end of the chapter. Because... We see now the Apostle John states how he valued this man. Look at verse 13. I have many things to write to you, but I am not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. See, now we're going to see how special this man was to the Apostle John. Paul, John is saying, I got a lot of other things, but man, I love you so much. And it's so meaningful for me to talk with you about the things of God. I want to see you face to face. I want to see you face to face. He said, I hope to come to you shortly and we will speak face to face. This is so good. I believe that Gaius was John's son in the faith. And he loved him and he prayed for him. And he cherished the moments, he valued the moments that he could talk face to face with him. Let me ask you something, man. Have you got anyone that you're working with, discipling, mentoring for Jesus Christ at all? Is there anyone that you're doing anything for and helping them to become Christ-like? Anything at all? We have all kinds of opportunities for you to learn how to do it. It's here. There's no doubt about that. Are you taking advantage of it? Men? We like to say that we're the leaders. Are you leading in that area of discipleship and mentoring? Is there anyone that you're putting your life into? Anyone that you're caring for? That's the challenge that Gaius, this man to whom John is writing, gives us today. He was a model. Man, if we were to write about you today, can we say these things? That's the challenge we have. But there's another person mentioned in this letter, in verse 9, 311, Diotrephes. This is Diotrephes, the dictator. We have Gaius, the model of a godly man, faithful man. Now we have Diotrephes, the carnal dictator. Notice what it says, verse 9. I wrote something to the church. But Diotrephes, who loves to be first among the brethren, does not accept what we say. The big, he wants to be the big honcho. He wants to call the shots. If it isn't done my way, then it'll be done no way. And anybody else who got anything to sing, say, going to hit the highway. That's what he's saying. It's going to be done my way or else. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to rid of everybody else who has any kind of opposition or difference of opinion to me. And so he, and so he says, I'm not going to have anything to do with anybody who does not want to do it my way. You say there's nobody like that in the church today. Wake up. Come into the real world. 
Or should I say the real church? He loves to have the preeminence. Thing, he wanted things his way or to be no way at all. Look at verse 10. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does. What does he do? Unjustly accusing us with wicked words. In other words, he gossip against the leaders of the church. He's a gossiper. He's a backbiter. He destroys reputations. That's what he does. You know, he does it sincerely. I think you should be aware of this. I believe it's important for us to see this. We need to pray for Pastor Lee. You hear what he did to this? You hear how he did this? You hear how he did that? And you do it under the guise of something good. But it's evil. It is wrong. That's what this man is known for. Diotrephes, the carnal dictator. Listen, go on. He fostered division and discord in the church. He says, for this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words. Where words is something else, say. Eh? You know the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That is such a lie. Words can do so much more damage than sticks or stones. It wounds the spirit, not just the body. Notice this. Not satisfied with this. That's not enough. He himself does not receive the brethren. And either he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. He causes discord. He causes division. Those clicks start to come up around these persons. That's Diotrephes. Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. You see, here we have another model. In Gaius, we had a model of godliness. But in Diotrephes, we have a model of devilishness. Evil. Do not imitate evil. Diotrephes' behavior and actions, and he's in the church now, evil. Evil. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Apostle John is making a decision right here. This man cannot be a genuine believer. No matter how he says he wants to be a part of the church. No matter how he calls all these things. This man cannot. He's evil. He's not of God. Jesus taught about these kinds of people. Remember he talks about the mystery of the kingdom. And this... It's like a field, and you got two different plants, as it were, growing. Wheat and what? Wheat and what? Yes. They look alike. Can't tell them apart. And they're growing up. That's what's happening here. But as we go on, we'll see that the works describe who they are eventually. Because Jesus teaches that he's the only one who should examine the works. Who is the fruit examiner? Not us. Jesus Christ is. But we can see the evidence nonetheless. He was a devilish example. But then there's a third person 
mentioned in verse 12. I call him dependable Demetrius. Verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Isn't that wonderful? Man, how about you? We come back to the same thing when we saw Gaius. Do you have a good testimony from everyone because of the lifestyle that you have, man? Committed to Jesus Christ? Concern for the growth of the body and you're involved in that? Process that makes it possible by sharing your gifts and not being selfish to keep it to yourself? Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. In other words, the scriptures. Back of his lifestyle. He was walking in accordance to the word of God. He knew the word and was living the word is the implication. And we are at our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. He has the commendation of the apostle of love himself. This man is a good man. This man is a godly man. And so here we have an epistle written by a man to a man about man. And it gives us three descriptions of characteristics, attitudes that are present in every church. First, you have Gaius. A godly man. Then you have Demetrius, the dictator, the gossiper, the division maker. And then you have dependable Demetrius, good reputation, known for his commitment to the word of God. These are the men. These are the kinds of traits that characterize every man in our assembly. Which one are you? Are you a Gaius? A Demetrius? Or Diotrephes? Men? God has appointed us as leaders of his people, as ro- those who should go ahead to be role models. Are you fulfilling your role as a male? as a member of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, God has given you something that we need. We cannot get that if you're not involved with the people of God. That's a selfish use of a free gift from God. We need what you have. The same way you need what we have. And so we have these challenges then from this epistle To man. Has God spoken to you, man, about it today? Are you going to do anything about it? Are you going to become like Gaius? Iotrophes? Or are you going to be like... Let me back up. Are you going to be like Gaius and Iotrophes? Or are you going to be... What's your name of the other one? Demetrius, Demetrius, Gaius. That's our example. Those are the ones that the Apostle John wants us to model our life after. Will you do it? Bow with me in a word of prayer, please.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the men in our assembly. Thank you for those who are, in fact, godly examples, who are faithful to you, involved in the ministry, for your glory and for our good. Thank you for each and every one of them. We pray for those who are not. Pray that you might touch their hearts today. Pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, might so work in our lives that even as in the early church when the apostles asked the church to choose out from among themselves men of good report and full of the Holy Spirit, we might see such men in our assembly. Committing themselves to the ministry that the leaders cannot be involved in so that the church might grow and increase from glory to glory. Grant our Father that our men might truly be men in the ministry, be faithful, God-fearing, hospitable, generous men of the faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.